need to know that I know more than ever that God loves us totally and is committed to our success and is willing to go to any lengths to see we get this. And I don't know when God will help you, but I can tell you exactly how God's going to help you. He's going to put just the right person at just the right time with just the right information because God works through people and he always has and will. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Good evening. Good afternoon. Good morning. Guten Tag, wherever you are. That was the voice of Mr. Reno John that you heard at the beginning of this episode. And you will be hearing so much more from him in just a moment, but first things first. This episode, the one you are listening to right here, right now, was brought to you by Mark and Tanya and Randy and Tammy. Do you know what Mark and Tanya and Randy and Tammy did? Well, let me tell you They went to our website, SoberSpeak.com. They clicked on the little yellow... My my voice is cracking up there. Anyway, they went to our website, SoberSpeak.com. They clicked on the little yellow donate tab and they made a contribution. Thank you so much, Mark, Tanya, Randy, and Tammy for your generosity. This episode is coming right out to you as normal. We are going to let all... The other folks listen in, but this one's coming right out to you guys. I, John M., will be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings, and I am truly honored and privileged to serve all of you listening in. So take a seat around this virtual table and let's get started. This is Sober Speak, a meeting between meetings at your fingertips. All right, folks, so um, I'm just going to do a little uh, review that we got here on uh, iTunes, also known as Apple Podcast, and uh, I appreciate this. Uh, We'll have more listener feedback at the end, but uh, this one was entitled on iTunes. It says, Grateful Listener, and then it goes on, Great Way to Fill the Spiritual Bank and Get Grounded. I love the Bill C. episode on pillars of spiritual condition. I heard him speak in Vancouver five or six years ago, and his message stayed with me ever since. 
great work on the podcast, relevant topics, nice pacing and tone. Thank you for your service, smiley face. And that is Niche, I guess you would call it, N-W-E-S-H-W, in Canada. So thank you, Niche. I appreciate that very much, uh, going out of your way to leave us that review. I think it helps uh, get the message out is kind of what it comes down to, and I'm most appreciative of that. Now I've got the word, the you know, oh gosh, what what film is that? That is Monty Python in Quest of the Holy Grail. <laughs> if you've ever seen that, there's a uh, there's a part in that where the some knights out in the forest somewhere they are the knights who say knee knee. <laughs> That's all they do. And if I remember right, they have a a complete fascination with shrubbery and shrubberies. <laughs> and that's what they, that is the monetary value, I guess is what you would call it, <laughs> that they want to be paid for to be able, for you to be able to pass through the forest or something like that. But <laughs> Anyway, I haven't thought about that in a while. But it's not the knights who say niche like uh, this lady writing in from Canada. It is the knights who say knee. (laughs) Oh, forgive me. Oh, forgive me. Anyway, let's get on to the episode and enough of my rambling on, my silliness, my gibberish Reno John is in the house. Uh, he actually came to my house, believe it or not. So uh, that is an, an appropriate uh, analogy there. Anyway, Reno John's in the house. We're calling this one Expect a Miracle. He's going to talk all about the miracles that he has experienced throughout sobriety. He talks about the d- difference between religion and spirituality. And uh, he has a wonderful analogy uh, that he's going to talk about during the podcast, during the episode, uh, to il- illustrate the difference between religion and spirituality. He says there are two parts of a miracle, and you'll get to hear what those are. Uh, and being divorced at nine years sober and the emotional pain that he went through with this event, uh, he describes that. Uh, I absolutely loved it. Uh, it's real life. Uh, and my favorite quote, from John's entire episode is my sponsor is not the fire chief. <laughs> In other words, he is not there. He or she is not there to put out fires. And there's going to be much, much more in this episode. So buckle up, folks. Enjoy the ride with Mr. John Reno John. And we will have, by the way, I just love having Reno John on. I think mainly because I just like saying his name. Isn't that a cool handle? I wish I had a cool handle. I'm just. John M. I mean, how boring is that, right? But Reno John, now that's got a ring. Nonetheless, enjoy this episode and we will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this episode. Okay, everybody. So today we are sitting here once again, and I say once again, we've done a couple of episodes with him already with Mr. Reno John. So Reno John, to start this thing off, why don't you go ahead, just introduce yourself and give you sobriety date if you wish, and then I'll give a little bit more background on our discussion today. 
Thank you, John. I'm John A., and I am an alcoholic. And my sobriety date, by the grace of God and the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, I have not had a drink of alcohol or mood-altering drugs since October 7, 1981. October 7, 1981. Almost 40. 40, yeah. So when you hit... 39 this year. Oh, 39 this year. I'm sorry, my math... my my math skills. I had a public school upbringing, right yeah. right here in the Dallas area. Yeah. Two thousand and one will be forty. Wow, very nice, very nice. All right, and we are fortunate enough. We don't always have this. In fact, this is only the the second time I've had this. But we have a spouse in yeah. the room, and that spouse's name is Miss Patsy. So, Miss Patsy, all I'm going to ask you to do is to come up here to the mic real quick and just to say, hi, my name's Patsy, and I'm glad to be here, whatever you want to say. Hi, I'm Patsy, John's wife, not the lady in the red dress. <laughs> glad to be here with you guys. All right, Patsy, we're so glad to have you here You'll today. hear about that red dress later. Okay. <laughs> I got you. So that's like an inside joke that I'm not quite up on yet. It will be later. Okay, I got you. All right, so the reason that we are gathered here today is because uh, last time John and I, we did an episode, we did actually two episodes, one of them, they were basically kind of the before getting into Alcoholics Anonymous and after getting into Alcoholics Anonymous. And right toward the end of it, we were wrapping up and we talked about things like, um, John living in his car, uh, getting to the DFW area, why they call him Reno John and all that sort of stuff. And, and, and we thought it'd be a good idea to get back together and talk about John's, um, miracles in Alcoholics Anonymous. Right. So we're probably going to call this, I don't know exactly yet, sometimes I end up uh, switching up the title, but probably Miracles in an AA with Reno John. Um, but so when I, when, I, when I bring up that subject, John, what comes to mind for you in terms of Miracles and Alcoholics Anonymous? Well, I think that uh, if you've been, been in AA for a while, you come to realize that uh, we depend on miracles. Our whole sobriety is based on a miracle of getting sober, which was the first miracle that we experienced was the miracle of sobriety, that moment of clarity when you knew the gig was up. And that moment of clarity usually happens before you get to AA. When you get to AA, we assume you've had that moment of clarity when you know it's over, you know, and the proof of that is your last drink. I'm willing to bet a whole lot of money when you had your last drink and you set that drink down. You had no idea that was your last drink. Mm, right. I mean, I did. If I did, I'd have done it different. <laughs> right. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> How come that was your last drink? I've sworn off a hundred times. Why was that my last drink? Well, it's divine intervention. Mm. And there comes a time when I think God intervenes, and that's the first part of the miracle, is God's intervention, divine intervention, where you know the gig is up. And then from that moment on, You've got a whole new opportunity in front of you that we don't really uh, comprehend for a while, you know. So I think that that uh, when it comes down to miracles, there are two parts. There are two parts to every miracle. We only talk about one part normally, you know, that part being uh, God's part. How God did this, and you think, wow, how, how incredible that is. And, uh, but there are two parts to every miracle. There's God's part, and then there's our part. 
There's my part. And without my part, there is no miracle. Now, what's interesting, to take the example of Moses parting the Red Sea. Now, Moses, right, the great deliverer, Moses got the children of Israel down in Egypt and held captive down there for 237 years. A lot of people didn't know that. I, I, I know that. So they're down there for 237 years. Moses, the great deliverer, comes along. He's going to take him back to the promised land, right? You, you see that movie? Mm-hmm. I know you didn't read the book. <laughs> <laughs> so you get stopped at the Red Sea. They don't know how to cross the Red Sea. You know, we're going to build a boat. We're going to walk around it. What are we going to do? We don't know what to do. All of a sudden, people come up and say, Moses, Pharaoh changed his mind. He's coming to get us. What are we going to do? And Moses parts the Red Sea, right? That's God's part of the miracle. But the children of Israel had to walk through the Red Sea. If they don't walk through the Red Sea, there's no miracle. We don't read about it today. Mm. Some of them didn't want to do that. Some of them wanted to go back to Egypt. We made a mistake. Let's go back and ask Pharaoh to forgive us. You know? But they had to walk through the Red Sea. And without their part, there is no miracle. You know? And we are all going to have a Red Sea to walk through in sobriety. You walk through the Red Sea to get here. We're all going to have our own Red Sea. After you get sober, you're going to have to walk through. Walk through the Red Sea. Yep. And that's your part of sobriety. That's your part of that miracle. Without you doing that, it doesn't work. There's no miracle. You've turned your back on the miracle. If you don't walk through your part of the Red Sea, there is no miracle. What do you think about when you think about walking through the Red Sea in terms of me and you and all the others? Well, I'll tell you. The first time it dawned on me, I was nine years sober. And uh, got divorced. That's not part of the deal. I'm not supposed to be getting divorced. I'm nine years sober. I'm pract- I married a gal when I was three or four years sober in AA. We're supposed to be happily ever after, right? And we got divorced, and it was very painful. And uh, and so they they uh, I went through a long time of recovery on that. Very depressed. And they said, well, you know, when all else fails, work with another alcoholic. So I started going back and I started attending a lot of newcomers meetings, passing my business card out to newcomers. And that's the problem. When you do that, they start to call. <laughs> <laughs> that's and a mistake. Yes. Yeah, so I started sponsoring all these guys, you know, all these newcomers. And they would call me and they'd say, listen, John, if you're going to help me and sponsor me, you need to understand me. I said, well, I'm going to understand you as we go through the steps. They said, well, you need to understand, John. I come from a very dysfunctional family. <laughs> so yeah, I, I figured you did. Well, you need to know that I, my family, was, it was a split family. So I, I, I never had any proper role models <laughs> to teach me how to do things, you know? And uh, it was a very scary time. I never learned because of that to set proper boundaries. <laughs> right. And because I never learned how to set boundaries in my youth growing up, and because of this abandonment issue I had because of the separation <laughs> family, I have a sex addiction that's just driving me crazy, John. And I, you're gonna have to. I'm listening to all this stuff. I'm exhausted. <laughs> We've been talking five minutes. I'm exhausted. I think, man, you got to come over. We got to get, you know, get to work. So they would come over to the house, bring all their new books with them. They got through treatment. I'd been 10 years since I've been to treatment. I don't know about all this new stuff. They, they're on their latest antidepressant, the designer antidepressant that's popular of the day. And I'm no doctor. I can't tell them not to take that stuff. And so they're sitting there and they'd come over and that, give me these. I had to read these books. I got to get current on the new stuff. 
I'm going to tell you, you want to read all that stuff and get current? Let me tell you what will happen to you. You're going to relate. Because <laughs> here's what they've done. This is genius on treatment's part. This is genius. <laughs> what they've done is they've taken, and I was, by the way, I was in, in, uh, uh, in the insurance business when they did that. I'd been sober when they did this. They've taken all of our character defects and redefined them as uh, shortcomings and, uh, and uh, redefine them as mental disorders. So they've taken all of our character defects and our shortcomings and redefined those as mental disorders. Because what happened was in 1970, they did a 10-year study, the insurance industry did, did a 10-year study on alcoholism. And because they were spending thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars on treatment and these guys were still getting drunk. Right. <laughs> and they say, what's wrong? Man, we, we just spent a quarter of a million dollars on this guy. He's been in treatment five times and he's still drunk. <laughs> so they studied alcoholism in depth to find out what we can do to help this. And they found out that they had the same rate of recovery for those who just went to AA as those who went to treatment and then went to AA. <laughs> <laughs> and so what they did is they redefined alcoholism as a mental disorder. And as a mental disorder, they had a $5,000 lifetime limitation on benefits. Mm-hmm. Treatment center said, we can't fix these guys for 5000 bucks. It's impossible. Well, it's a mental disorder. Well, it's okay, mental disorder. How about depression? Well, that's a mental disorder. So, okay, we got alcoholism and depression. Okay, now we got to 10000 How about anxiety disorder? Oh, yeah, that's a mental disorder. Okay, now we're up to fifty. Now we're getting closer. <laughs> So they took all of our character defects and shortcomings and redefined them as mental disorders. That way they can get paid. And proof of that is if you've been to treatment in the last 20 years, when you got out of treatment, you had more than one thing wrong with you. Right. <laughs> Nobody comes out being an alcoholic. You got a ton of stuff going on in your life, man. You are a sick, sick puppy, you know? And, uh, and so I'm treating all And these guys aren't getting sober. And I can't tell them. They're talking about it. They want to come over and they want to discuss their anger uh, man, anger management, right? You know, and they're getting drunk, and I'm not. I'm t- trying to take them through the steps, and they're, they're on their antidepressant. I can't do it, but, and and I went over to my sponsor, and I said, my program's not working. These guys aren't getting sober. My program is not working. He looked at me and he said, "Well, John, why don't you try ours?" <laughs> <laughs> and then he asked me some key questions. He said, "Are you passing on to them the same program of A that's passed on to you?" And I wasn't. Mm-hmm. He said, how many guys under a year are you sponsoring? I said, under a year? He said, under a year. How many are you sponsoring? I said, 14. <laughs> he said, any of them getting well? I said, no, I'm getting sick. <laughs> so he said, you need to start passing on to them the same program that's passed on to you. I had to go to those guys and make amends. Because they wouldn't let me do what I was letting those guys do. I was letting them get off on all this anger management stuff and dealing with their issues. And I don't want anybody to leave tonight in this podcast and not know the program of AA that was passed on to me mm-hmm. because that's what I'm responsible for. It's my third time here, you know, and I want you to know the program that's passed on me because the program that's passed on to me doesn't say a darn thing about me dealing with issues. In fact, the program that's passed on to me says you can't deal with those issues. Mm-hmm. If I could have done it, I'd have done it 40 years ago and you'd have a different speaker tonight. Right. You know, I come to AA not to learn to control my anger or to control my and manage my defects of character i come to a to to surrender them alcoholics anonymous is not a fire station Mm. we don't come running in here with our hair on fire wanting to put the fire out 
That's not what we do. My sponsor's not the fire chief. <laughs> you know? I don't call my fire my, my sponsor after I've screwed up one more time, my hair on fire, and want to put out the fire. I call my sponsor to learn how to surrender. What we do is we have a program that teaches you to find a power greater than yourself that will solve your problems. What we do in AA is we have a program that teaches you not to start fires. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. We, we, a lot of us come in here looking for a fire station, put the fire out after we start it. We keep building those fires, wanting you to put it out. That's not what we do. Don't start the damn fire. <laughs> you know? And, 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 and okay, how do we do that, John? Well, you know, that means God's going to be involved. The book says is that we have uh, a spiritual malady. And we need a spirit. The only chance you have of recovery is a spiritual solution. It means God's going to be involved. When God gets involved, miracles happen because God works through miracles. There's no way to explain that. Right. Because you can't explain a miracle. If you could explain a miracle, it wouldn't be a miracle, would it? Right. The fact you can't explain a miracle is what makes it a miracle. You know, and our sobriety is a miracle. The fact that you're sober today is a flat miracle. Because you're not supposed to be. It's impossible for you to be sober. This is in our... You always see the sign on the walls, right? Expect a miracle. Miracle. Yeah. Well, so what do you think when you see that sign? Expect We a do. Miracle. We do. And you can't explain it. And it usually, ha- here's what's amazing. You know, we don't know how that works because we don't know how AA works. But it always works. You ever, do, you ever call your sponsor and you're just nuts? And the sponsor says, okay, meet me at the meeting. We'll talk about it after the meeting. You go to the meeting, <laughs> have a great know. meeting. After the meeting, sponsor comes up and says, okay, what's going on? Nothing. Why? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, you called me and you're a little crazy about that. Oh, yeah. What was that? <laughs> I'll, I'll call you when I think about it. Right. You know? And we don't know what happened. Right. Because I can promise you, you won't remember what happened in the meeting 20 minutes after you leave the meeting. Right. You ever do that? You ever go to the meeting, you have a great meeting, you're feeling good, you stop at the 7-Eleven on your way home, you're getting a Coke or whatever, and you run into a guy from the meeting, you wasn't at the meeting. And and he says, did you go to the meeting tonight? Oh, yeah, it's a great meeting, man. Just a great meeting. <laughs> really? Yeah. What'd they talk about? Uh, uh no. <laughs> God, it was a great meeting. It should have been there. It was just a really good meeting, you know? We don't have a clue what happened, but it always happens, right. you know? It always happens, you know? What we do in AA is we have a program that works. It really works, and it's totally based on spirituality. And that's the difference between spirituality and religion. Mm. Okay, so the difference between spirituality and religion. Hold on, let me do a little break here, okay? I don't want to get into that. We'll be continuing our conversation with Reno John, John A., in just a moment. Just a reminder, you are listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the World Wide Web at www.soberspeak.com. You can also find the donate button on our website, which you can use if and only if the Spirit moves you to do such. Please keep in mind, this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. SoberSpeak is a self-supporting organization. Through our own contributions, we are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. We do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. All right, now back to Reno John here with the difference between spirituality and religion. Okay. I think the best example, best way to explain that is to tell you about three guys die. They go to 
pearly gates. I mean, St. Peter at the pearly gates. You got one Christian. You got one Jew, Jewish guy, and one alcoholic. St. Peter says, welcome. We've been waiting for you. I'm glad you're here. Now, before we know where you're going to go, you got to go in here and be interviewed. This man's going to interview you, tell you where to go. So the first guy goes in there. It's Christian. Old man sitting at the table. Christian comes up and sits down. And the old man says, welcome. We've been waiting for you. I'm glad you're here. We just have one question for you to decide where you're going to go. Who is God? He's all oh, God. Well, you know, God created the world in six days, rest on the seventh day. Uh, had Adam and Eve as his first children here, and they grew up. And, and uh, all throughout the Old Testament, he performed miracles. He chose the children of Israel as his chosen people. Then, then he became the Word, made flesh in Jesus. And Jesus created his first miracle was turning water. And went on for an hour talking about God. Guy says, man, you know a lot about God. He said, I've studied the Bible my whole life, Old and New Testament. He said, well, great. Welcome. Go through this door right here. Goes through the door. Next man comes is Jewish. Sits down. Says, welcome. He says, just one question. Who's God? Oh, God created the world in six days, rest on the seventh day. Moses was his chosen servant. He freed the, the went into Egypt, led the children of Israel, who were the God's chosen people, back to the promised land. Joshua took over then. After we got the Ten Commandments from Moses, it went on for an hour talking about God. So you know a lot about God. Oh, I've studied the Torah my whole life. Yeah. He says, great. It shows. Well, go through this same door. The alcoholic comes in, walks over to the man at the front desk, looks at him. Falls to his knees and says, my Lord, my God. See, there's a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. Religion does a great job in teaching you about God. Spirituality does a great job, which I got in Alcoholics Anonymous teaching me who God is. Because they told me when I came in, if you want to get to know God, get to know his kids. And that's the difference between spirituality and religion. Religion does a great job on teaching about God, which is important. I don't downplay that. But spirituality is all learning to know God. And what did the, the Carpenter's book say? The Carpenter's big book says it's life eternal to know God. And uh, that's what, and life eternal is eternal joy. So we get to get to know God. We get to know God perfectly through knowing his children here in Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's the big difference. And so what we do in here is when I got that divorce I was talking about, I had to start teaching guys the, uh, about God, you know? And they say, yeah, John, I know God because the reality is, is that's what's going to save our bacon, is, them, is getting to know God and get through his children. And so the guys say, yeah, God, okay, I know, I know I believe in God, John. I believe God created the world, you know, all that stuff. But he's not personally going to get involved in my life. He's not personally going to take care of me. I mean, God helps those who help themselves, right? you got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps, right? A lot of this stuff's just coincidence. You know, there's Bill meeting Bob and all that stuff and getting together in this Alcoholics Anonymous. That's, a lot of that's just a coincidence stuff, you know. I, I'm not personally, God's personally going to help me. He's not personally going to get involved in my life. I tell you, I'm three years sober. I'm at Dallas North. Birthday night, Dallas North. Three, two, 200 people at birthday night. Four, 60 celebrants. Damn thing lasts four hours. <laughs> wow. You know? And I'm getting ready to go home. About 11 o'clock at night, I'm walking by the front desk. Joanne's working the front, front desk. Joanne grabs me and says, hey, there's a lady in San Antonio called crying. Her son's up here going to commit suicide. You want to take this 12-step call? And I said, well, I want to talk to her first. So I got on the phone, called her. 
She's crying. She's I can't get up there quick enough. He's going to kill himself. He's been drinking for two weeks and drugging for two weeks. He's been to A, but he couldn't remember A's phone number, so he called his mom because he could remember his mom's phone number. Can you help my son? He's going to kill himself tonight. So I said, give me his number. I called him on the phone. Told him who it was. I said, you want some help? He said, yeah, I want some help. So I'm not going to make it. And I said, well, tell me your address. I'll come see you. He said, you'll never find me. You'll never find me. It's a little street, two blocks. This is before GPS, right? And we had maps go. He said, I'm not on maps go. He said, it's New Street, two blocks long. I can't tell you how to get him. Too, I haven't, I've been drinking and drugging for two weeks. I haven't slept for two weeks. I'm too disoriented. I can't tell you how to get here. I said, give me your damn address. I'll find you. So we lived on Dome Street. Now, I've told this story every year for 35 years in Dallas, Texas. Every month I tell this story somewhere where I'm doing the steps in Dallas, Texas and Fort Worth. And I've asked every month for 35 years, anybody know where Dome Street is? Nobody knows where Dome Street is. Two blocks long. Back then it was a brand new street. Still doing construction on the homes. What on, what on Mapsco? But see, I know where Dome Street is. I know right where. I, I not only know where Dome Street is. I have a client that lives on Dome Street. That's why I know where it is. He not only lives on Dome Street. He's literally the next door neighbor, the guy making the phone call. I yeah. said, you live next door to Tim. He's paused. Said, How do you know Tim? I said, I'll see you in 10 minutes. I know right where you are. Wow. I grabbed Tom, a guy's sponsor. We went, don't. That's just a coincidence, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know the odds of that? The odds of a lady in San Antonio calling director of information. For some reason, the operator gives them Dallas North. We got a hundred groups that she could give them, but she gives them Dallas North. For some reason, Joanne gives a 12-step call to a guy three years sober to make a suicide 12-step call, and that guy knows where Dome Street is. That's just a coincidence. God ain't going to do that. God ain't going to put just the right person at just the right time with just the right information since God works through people. That's just a coincidence, isn't it? I'm getting little chill bumps. A little while later, I'm going out to California on business. You know, I get out to the airport. This is when you could smoke on planes and there's no security. You know, I'm going out to the airport. Big sign up there saying plane's been delayed. No big deal. I'm not be there till tonight. So I get my coffee. I'm just drinking a cup of coffee. Come back an hour later, say plane's been canceled. But there's a plane two gates down leaving. 17 seats left. Go down there and go on standby. Well, 100 of us run down there and get on that standby. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I'm the second to the last guy that's on the plane. Second to the last. I get on the plane. Walk back there. Back in the smoking section. Right. I get back there. One seat left in the smoking section. Right next to the window. Right next to that is this good-looking guy in a red dress. See, here's the red dress. Oh, uh, the red dress. I looked at that guy. And I thought, <laughs> God is working my life tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so I get on the plane. This is a bad seat, though. She's a chatterbox. Just chatter, chatter, chatter. I thought I have not had enough coffee for this woman, you know. So <laughs> finally, the, the plane takes off. She shuts up. She pulls out a needle. She's needle pointing. I look at it. She needle pointing the serenity prayer. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, my turn. Said, what are you doing? She says, I'm needle pointing. I said, I know you're needle pointing. What is that? You're needle pointing. She's real embarrassed. She says, oh, it's just a needle. I said, what are you needle pointing? She finally holds up and says, well, they call it the serenity prayer. I said, oh, man. Are you one of those Jesus freaks? <laughs> she says, no, 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 no. And now she's real nervous. She says, but I'm trying to be spiritual. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> she's, point. she's going 100 miles an hour. Her hands are sweaty. I said, you do that fast. She says, I'm real compulsive. I said, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I got to stop this poor gal before she breaks a finger, you know. So I said, honey, stop. Just stop for a minute. Let me ask you a question. Just stop. She says, what? And I said, are you a friend of Bill W.'s? And boy, she looked at me and Side, she said, yes. Are you? I said, no. 
<laughs> she looked at me. I said, he died years before I got sober. You know? <laughs> Come to find out this guy had two months sobriety. She had a brand new job. This was her first trip away from Dallas in sobriety. Uh, she had had her first drunk dream the night before. Didn't know what that. She thought it was a premonition. She was going to get drunk in California. And uh, so we had a great three hour meeting. I told her about my drunk dreams, what that was all about. And gave her some phone numbers of some people in California that mm-hmm. could, she could talk to. And she said, man, can you believe this? I was sitting up in the non-smoking section. Been trying to quit smoking. Can you believe when they announced they were going to let people on, we could move if we wanted to. Can you believe God had me move back here right. just to sit by you? Can you believe that? I said, oh, honey, listen, he canceled my whole plan to get me to come over here and sit by you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a coincidence. God ain't going to do that. John, come on. Right. He's not going to cancel a plane so you can make a 12-step call. That's just a coincidence, right? God ain't going to do that. He's not going to put just the right person, just the right time, with just the right information since God works through people. Right? It's just a coincidence. Nineteen ninety, I'm down in Del Rio, Texas, at a little conference, borderline conference. I'm down there in Del Rio, Texas. Saturday, I meet a guy. I don't want to go because I it was a, I had to drive down. It was an eight hour drive. I'd been traveling a lot. And my first weekend, if I cancel, I don't have I had my first weekend home. But you know, I've been told you got a commitment. You keep the commitment. So I drive down there, exhausted. I meet a gal, Dottie E from Connecticut, on her name badge. I said, oh, what are you doing here in Del Rio, Texas from Connecticut? I'm on my way to see my husband. He's in the Navy. It's stationed in San Diego. I'm going to go to San Diego, see my husband. We spent the night here last night with the kids. We're going to get them going. But we thought, let's stay here and go across to Mexico, do some souvenir shopping. We'll spend the night here another night, get another good night rest, and we'll take it on into San Diego. I called that intergroup, told me about this meeting, so I came to the convention. I said, well, great. Welcome to Texas. So I spoke that night. She heard my talk. She came up and she said, I'm a little confused. You're from Utah. I said, yeah. She said, well, do you know anybody in Orem, Utah? And I said, well, I grew up in Orem, Utah. She said, do you, you know Mark and Betty Joe? I said, well, they're my parents. <laughs> <laughs> she starts to cry. She says, Tommy's my husband. Tommy's my first cousin. Oh. He's three days older than me. We grew up together, ripping and running. Right, got out of high school. He joined the Navy. I went to college. Hadn't talked to him for eighteen years. Didn't know he was in AA. Didn't know anything about him. He married. They got married to Dottie when he was five years, six years sober, and they she was on her way to see him in San Diego because he was drunk. Mm-hmm. We called him that night. He was drunk. She was going. To, she was going to divorce him. That opened up a crack the window. They've been married forty eight years today. Oh wow! You know. Tommy's got 20, almost 30 years sober. Wow. That's just coincidence, isn't it? Yeah. You know the odds of that? She's in Connecticut. He's in San Diego. I'm in Dallas. And we meet in Del Rio, Texas, <laughs> because she don't want to go on. That's just coincidence, isn't it? Nobody stays in Del Rio, Texas. Right. You know? It's just a coincidence. God ain't going to. He ain't going to be just the right person at just the right time, just the right information, since God works through people. You know, that's just a coincidence, right? I'm out in California. I'm out in Hawaii, the Hawaii State Convention. I'm speaking at the Hawaii State Convention. And I get a phone call Friday morning. I'm going to speak Saturday, and, and my dad died. And they were nice enough to let me speak Friday night, and then Saturday I left to fly back to Utah to the funeral. And it was a bad flight because you got to go on standby and everything, you know, when you're on uh, on that thing. So I had to fly from Calif- from Hawaii to California. I had a six-hour layover in California. And then I flew back to Dallas. And then from Canada to Dallas, I had to fly down to Houston. And I had layovers every one of those stops. And then finally got to Salt Lake. Got there 
took me 24 hours. Got there Sunday, and we buried my dad Monday. And uh, Tuesday, I had to go back to Dallas. I had to go to work Tuesday. And so uh, I'm at the airport. My son dropped me off early. Had three hours at the airport. This is when you could just walk on the plane. You didn't have to wait. Mm -hmm. But I was there three hours early. First time I'd been alone. And I was tired. I was exhausted. And I was lonely. And I was hungry and angry. And my mind started beating me up. And I started into that valley. And it's dark in the valley. And it's scary in the valley. And I started thinking, what was I doing in Hawaii? The good son would have been with his mom. My dad had a heart attack two months prior to that. But I called on Monday. She said, he's doing fine. Go ahead and go. But the good son would have been with his dad. I have no business. This is just ego. Going around talking to these conferences is just ego. I don't need to do that. I should have been with my mom. should have been there when she needed me. And right when I'm in the middle of beating myself up for being there and not being in, in the state convention in Hawaii instead of with my mom when my dad died, there came a page over the intercom. And it said, would a friend of Bill W. pick up the white paging phone? I thought, that guy thinks he needs a 12-step call. So I picked up the white page. I meet the guy at the coffee shop from Chicago. His dad had died a year prior to that. That's just coincidence. We had a great two-hour meeting before my plane took off. And what that told me is, you know, I was right where I was supposed to be. Mm. My dad was, my, we had made patch and my dad and I were on great terms. We had made all those amends. My brother was there. They didn't need me there mm. when my dad died. I was where I was supposed to be with God's kids. That's just coincidence. I'm sure you all heard a lot of pages for Bill W. at the at the airport. I never heard one in my life. I've never heard one. I asked the guy, I said, you page a lot of people for Bill W.? He said, never done it before. Just want to see if any alcoholics in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a coincidence, isn't it? God ain't going to do that. He's not going to put just the right person at just the right time with just the right information since God works through people. That's just a coincidence, isn't it? God ain't going to take care of us like that. You know, I tell the story, and this is the last story, and then I'll cut it off because I know we're pressed, pressed for time. But I uh, I think I talked one other time about growing up in Utah, and I grew up in, in a very normal, healthy family. We went hunt, we were hunting or fishing every weekend in the mountains. I learned how to be in the mountains. My dad had taught me if you get lost in the mountains, you don't wander around. You go to a high point in a clearing, you sit down and you wait, we'll come find you. Problem is if you walk around, you may walk 20 miles from where we think you are. Right. So if you're lost and you know you're lost, go to a clearing, sit down, we'll come find you. And I'm 16, deer hunting. Get lost. Forgot everything. Forgot all that. I'm walking around mm. trying to find some place that I recognize to get back to camp. I'm scared. They also taught me how to pray when I was a kid. As I said, I grew up in a very healthy environment. And I knelt down and I prayed in the mountains and asked God for help. I said, I'm lost and I don't know what I'm doing. And I need help. I got up and nothing changed. Continued to walk around. Dropped down over this ridge around these these uh, trees, aspen trees. Walked into my sister. She's sitting there overlooking the clearing. I walked up to her. She said, hi. I said, hi, how you doing? <laughs> she said, good, how are you? I said, good. We chatted for a little bit. I said, what are you going to do? She said, I think I'm going to go back to camp. I said, yeah, me too. So I just followed her back to camp, you know, answered to my prayers. Never told anybody that story. Wow. Never told anybody that story until my dad died. Yeah. After we buried him Monday, 
that Monday night, we were at the house, my, my brother and my three sisters and my mom, we were kind of reminiscing about dad, talking about what he had taught us and how much we loved him and kind of honoring my father. And I shared that story for the very first time about how I, would, I didn't pay attention to what dad had taught me and I was walking, but Jane saved my life. Jane was the answer to my prayers. I looked over at her and she's crying. She came over and sat by me and she said, I've never told me this either. But she said, I want to tell you, when you came around those trees, I just got up off my knees because I was lost. And I thought you were the answer to my prayers. I thought I was following you home. See, we don't know how these miracles work. We don't even know who's who, who's helping who. You may think your sponsor's helping you, but I want to tell you, he may be following you more than you're following him. Mm-hmm. You know? That's just a coincidence. God ain't going to do that. He's not going to put just the right person at just the right time with just the right information. And I share all that stuff today because I know that somebody listening to this podcast today is hurting and sometimes we don't know you know sometimes in sobriety it's like we've crawled over to the edge of the precipice and you're looking into the abyss and you don't know does god really work does he really love me or is that just aa podium rhetoric we talk about because we don't know what to do or is this god deal really work and it doesn't seem to matter whether you've been sober 30 days or 30 years you got to walk through the Red Sea. And we don't know. If that's where you are today, then you need to know that I know more than ever that God loves us totally and is committed to our success and is willing to go to any lengths to see we get this. I think that's a one-way street. I had to be willing to go to any lengths to get sober. I know today that God will go to any lengths to see you get this deal. You know? And I don't know when he's going to, if you need to borrow that God till you can find a power of your own that'll solve your problem, then do it. Because I've borrowed yours lots mm-hmm. when I didn't know. And I don't know when God will help you. I honestly don't know when, but I can tell you exactly how God's going to help you. I know exactly what he's going to do for you. What's that? He's going to put just the right person at just the right time with just the right information because God works through people. Mm-hmm. And he always has and will. And I want to thank you, John. You've done a great job in putting this podcast together. Thank you for everything. God bless you, John. Thank you so much for being here. And Patsy, thank you for popping by as well. I'm going to end up with page 164 from the book. Page 164 from the book says, Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to Him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us, like me and John A., as you trudge the road to happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. Thanks again, John. Thank you. Thank you, Reno John. As John said there at the end of his uh, episode, does this God really work? Do you believe that this God totally loves us and is committed to our success? I do. If you're struggling right now, know that we, when I say we, 
Alcoholics Anonymous as a whole is out there. And there's people all throughout the land willing to chip in and give a hand. All you got to do is reach out. Reno John, once again, thank you, my friend, for coming in here to share regarding the miracles of Alcoholics Anonymous in your life. Now, on to a little bit of a listener feedback from our super secret Facebook group. Steve, we have a gentleman within the group, and I I don't know what else to call him. I call him our Daily Reflections guy. If you don't know what Daily Reflections is, it's a, a book published by uh, Alcoholics Anonymous that is uh, kind of like one of those daily readers things. You know, you go to November 3rd or September 12th or wherever you are, and you open up the book and you read that thought for the day. Well, we have a gentleman within our Facebook group, and he just took it upon himself, and I'm so glad he did, and I'm I'm so thankful that he's in there. Uh, his name is Steve R., and uh, he posts this oh, a few days ago. Can't even remember when it was, but I, I think he does it every day. It, it's a good five, six days of the week. Uh, I know he's in there on a consistent basis, and he said he quotes from the big book and then gives a little bit of his insight on the back end of that. And he said, he quoted from the book on page 14, and it said, my friend had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. In particular, it was imperative to work with others as he had worked with me. Page 14 from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And then Steve adds on at the end. He says, we must give away what we would have and keep if we are following the divine guidelines of our program. And as we share this simple path to freedom and happiness, we too live free and happy. What a gift. And he always ends it with help one, save two, happy Saturday. And uh, I just love that one. Um, we got to, and, and I'm sure you have heard this many times before, but we have to give it away in order to keep it. It is the lifeblood of making this thing happen. And I'm thankful for people like Steve and all of you listening in, um, and your feedback that you give in and how you, uh, commit to not only uh, uh, sober speak and, and the listeners here, but um, you com- you commit to the fellowship that you are in. Some of you are in AA, some of you are in Al-Anon, some of you are in other 12-step programs. I completely get that. But the idea is simple and true. We must give it away in order to keep us. So Steve R., thank you for posting that in the uh, Facebook group. Mark writes in and Mark says, hi, John, nine months today sober, and I am from Massachusetts, 61 years old, and I started AA in December, and I really love the meetings. I went every day for three months, then COVID hit, so I went to Zoom. Your podcasts have been a good, have been a godsend. Thank you so much. Can I join the secret Facebook group 
Thanks, Mark J. Well, of course, Mr. Mark J., you can join the Facebook group, and we got you in there. And thank you for contributing to not only Sober Speak, like, but like I said on the previous feedback, uh, to AA as a whole. And congratulations on your nine months. Nelly writes in, whoa, Nelly. Nelly says, <laughs> hi, John. Yay, I will be three years sober on September 30th. And then with a couple of uh, crossing your fingers uh, emojis. <laughs> I have faith in you, Mr. Nelly. And uh, Nelly said, I started listening to your podcast somewhere in the last few months. It's really been a great tool for me during these crazy times. I love all the episodes, but to, but uh, yesterday I was listening to Greg, K, I think he means Gary K, Gary K and the 12th step. And it was awesome. Thank you for letting me be part of the group, Nelly. Well, of course, Nelly, you can join the group. We love to have you in there. And I'm glad you're part of the group. It is our honor, Nelly. Nelly. I'm so sorry, Nelly. Oh, gosh. Uh, Claire writes in and she says, Hi, John. I've been listening to your podcast this morning. And I heard you mention about your Facebook group. Somebody else wants in the Facebook group. She says, I am in the United Kingdom. Hello, Claire. And I'm recovering from uh, an emotional uh, overeater and sugar addiction. I'm currently on step two of OA. And for those of you who don't know what OA is, that's Overeater, Overeaters Anonymous. And she says, I'm finding that a lot of the AA audio in literature is helping me move forward. Uh, it's all the same to me, just a different substance so I can relate. Understood, Claire? I would love to be part of the group on Facebook to help my recovery. And we got you in there, Claire. I'm glad you're in there. If it's strictly for AA, however, then I understand. And it is not, Claire. It's for all who want to uh, join in with us. She says, I will continue to listen to your YouTube podcast. And I have already enjoyed what I have heard so far. Thank you so much for doing them. I'm sure they are helping many people worldwide. Thanks again, Claire G. Well, you know, Claire, we're glad to have you as part of the Facebook group. And, um, you know, there are other ways to listen to it besides the YouTube platform. But uh, just so you know that, I mean, there's many ways. If you go to our website, www.soberspeak.com, it'll, it'll point you to all or a lot of the podcast players, if that's easier for you. But a lot of people just like the YouTube platform. And that is fantastic. All right, everybody, that is another week in the books keep coming back because you know what it works if you work it i'm going to take this a week at a time i will probably be back next week god bless you guys love you uh, thanks for uh, joining in with me on this journey adios